Welcome to the Sperber Prize Podcast, a show where I'll talk to winners and nominees of Fordham's annual award given in honor of author Anne Sperber and her biography of Edward R. Murrow. The Sperber Prize seeks to promote outstanding biographies and memoirs detailing the unseen backgrounds of some of history's biggest stories in print and electronic journalism. This season, we'll be looking at themes of sexism, ethics, technology, objectivity, and more. I'm your host, Rena Lokai. Today, I'll be talking to award-winning journalist and founder of Dot 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 Media, Lori Siegel. Her book, Special Characters, tells her story as a young journalist who got her dream job at CNN. Quickly, she realized what it means to be a woman emerging in the media and tech worlds. Lori, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, of course. Of course. So I read your book. I thought it was amazing. I absolutely devoured it. So I wanted to start, I guess, with what was your inspiration behind writing the book? Like, what made you think that this story, your story, should be written in the first place? I left CNN in 2019, and I'm self-aware enough to know that it's pretty absurd to write a memoir at my age. Um, But I really felt like I had a story to tell. I had witnessed something really interesting and important, and I thought my point of view mattered, right? I was on the ground floor for for the second wave of tech innovation. I grew up with a lot of these tech founders. I asked them a lot of these challenging ethical human questions when they were babies and, and watching the minnows turn to sharks. And I actually think um, part of leaving my job and part of wanting to do something in a different way was being able to have a take and realizing that I had spent the last decade, you know, asking a lot of these challenging questions. And I wanted to start answering some of those challenging questions. And for me, you know, history is going to be written, right? I just rather write part of it myself, especially because I was in the room, you know, and, and I don't think there are many, as many female voices inside that had the opportunity to actually come out and say, I was here, I was a part of this, this is my take. So much of the tech industry is so masculine and male driven. And if I could go back to one spot, the day I remember the day I wrote, I decided to write the book. Um, And it was, I remember if you read the book, there's this, this scene about how hard I had worked to get to a point to get this big interview with Mark Zuckerberg during Cambridge Analytica and how kind of my career had culminated into this um, this moment where tech became a bigger part of society. Um, and I had messaged Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook and said, you have a responsibility as a leader to speak. And I had worked so hard to get out there. I didn't have bookers booking for me. You know, this was always me. It was always very scrappy. And, and when you read the book, you'll see this is kind of a climax of the book. And I remember it was months after this big interview and and most importantly, like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg had uh, said for the first time he'd be open to regulation. It was a it was a big moment, I think, for us to realize tech's impact on society. This thing that I'd been kind of like saying for so many years, we've got to pay attention and we've got to challenge our tech leaders to think with a human lens. And I remember um, the front cover of Wired magazine had like a bruised Mark Zuckerberg face on it. And it was a, a magazine that came out talking about Facebook debacle and all the things that had gone wrong and what how hard it had been for the last couple months of Facebook. And the reporter who I'm like at the time, I'm also a male reporter, like gave a TikTok of what happened behind the scenes. And he named a lot of people named a lot of like male journalists and all this kind of stuff and people who were part of that day. And then there was a line in there. Reporter who they deemed pleasant. 
or something. And I just remember being like, no, no, like that's just not how it happened, you know? And I think for me, it was less about just like a chip on my shoulder, but being like, history will be written. Like that isn't how it happened. I've been challenging a lot of these folks. I have a take and and worked really hard to have this seat at the table in Silicon Valley. And and so I think it was a process of owning my own voice. And and I remember being like, no, I'm just going to write my own story, you know? And and so I actually think I could like peg it, you know, I would love to have like a really classy response, but I could also peg it to that and being like, ew, like, no, I wasn't just pleasant. I'm not just like kind, like, I'm not just like the smiling person that people bring at summon, like, you know, how much hard work, like a decade of reporting goes into being able to be in a position to hustle, to be able to um, get some of these, uh, not even get some of these interviews, but challenge some of these leaders at the right time. And, and so I think that was kind of a part of it. And I, and I wanted to share my story and the story of the last decade of tech through a very human lens and one that was approachable and didn't just feel like something um, that was like a tech book that a bro would pick up. I, I did notice throughout the book that a lot of the times that you had a success or you like you were able to get um, mostly human or like little things like that and you'd have you know this amazing feeling and then someone would kind of like take it down a little bit <laughs> and it was just heartbreaking every time because I'm about to go into that industry so I'm reading this as like a look at what I'm going into and it was kind of sad to see but it's exciting to see the end, like read to the end and you see that you were able to like leave and make your mark with dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we do a disservice when we don't talk about the nuances of like how hard success is. Like success is a culmination of failures. Success is a culmination of hustling and scrappiness and all the things and scheming and all the things that happen behind the scenes. And so I think it would have been easy to look at me on camera and interviewing all these big tech titans and being on all the time and all this and, and thinking like, oh, she has her own show or she's gotten this. Like, I think it would be unfair to the young me to just say that was easy um, and that, that that's just guaranteed. And I think in writing this book, I wanted to create a bit of a, a playbook behind the scenes for other people who are coming up in the industry or any industry and talking about the zigzag of success and like, what it looks like when you kind of open up the curtain and let people in to some degree. So I want to go back a little bit because in the beginning of your story, you talk about how you got into writing and how you've always liked writing, but what was the idea behind, like what fueled your interest in tech or that passion in technology? I just think back when I started covering technology, which was 2009-ish, tech felt like punk rock. And I liked punk rock, <laughs> you know, I grew up in Georgia, kind of feeling like a bit of a misfit, right, and feeling a little bit like an outsider. And, and the book kind of gets into it a little bit of like, I grew up in a bit of a broken home. And I was the only Jewish girl, a very Christian, conservative Southern school. And like, all of that to say, like, I, I developed a lot of empathy for, um, for folks who don't quite fit in, in the box. But I think like, I always loved outsiders and I always loved what I called like corner stories all the things that like people discount people look away from and so I rem I mean I remember growing up in Atlanta Georgia I used to like go and see ska bands and punk rock bands like alone uh, like super weird uh, but I just loved it I loved music and, and creativity and writing and journaling and I and I they're weirdly especially in 2008 2009 
there was a real connection between technology and artistry and the engine and engineers and punk rock. Like they're actually at that moment because it's before it became this huge machine, the second wave of tech and when mobile and you have these apps coming out, like there was a lot of creativity before, you know, these, these folks became the, the billionaires and the new, I would just say like, you know, the new Titans of society. There was just like a bit of a punk rock feel. And honestly, I just liked them. I, I thought that they, these people were interesting and it was less about tech. Like I joke that I literally look at technology in a break sometimes. I just happen to be able to like explain things and I think in a more human way. I think there was something about that moment where we were coming out of Wall Street, out of the recession or we were in the recession and the app store had launched and there was just like this real cool moment of like, you didn't have to go to be a banker on Wall Street to be cool. Like you could try to be creative and code your idea into hands of, of millions of people. And it's a, it was a real moment in time. And there's a subset of people who really understand it and who were part of this moment where it was before all these people were on the covers of the magazines. And yeah, it, and I and I think I just really, I found that I could talk to these people. I found that I like, I liked these people. I didn't feel like I fit before. And then all of a sudden, I found that this was an interesting group. And I think that group changed a lot. I think it broke my heart to some degree. But yeah, it was just, you know, getting like barbecue with like the founder of WordPress and powers the internet. And you're just like in, I don't know, and like Brooklyn eating like barbecue, you know, and it's like, and talking about things and ideas and, and the way the world works. And it just felt different than it felt in college and it felt different than it felt growing up in the suburbs. Um, and so I think there was a part of me that fell in love with the idea of technology as a way to shape humanity. And of course, it got complicated. So speaking about this love that you have for technology, is there one company or founder or story that you did back when technology was first coming about that like really sticks with you to this day? there's like one company as much as like there were founders who changed and there are founders who didn't. I, I remember founders when they weren't on the covers of the magazines, like Sam Altman, who's CEO of OpenAI, was my first on-camera interview when we were like, I want to say like 24 or 25 years old. And he had a company called Looped um, that would sell not for a lot. And, you know, and I remember I was so nervous before the interview and he was so nerdy <laughs> and like both of us, we've got, we've grown up now kind of knowing each other, but like, trying to explain the power of location and mobile and why we're all going to be obsessed with this and me trying to convince people at CNN that we should pay attention to these things. And, and there was just this kind of like underdog quality. And I remember when Aaron Levy, who was the founder of Box, which is like a cloud computing company, which like came into CNN and said at the, at the desk, at like we had this like middle table and was trying to explain why cloud computing was sexy. And I'm just like, and now he's like, you know, the, the company's like a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company, whatever, like, but it's just like, it was when you just had this earnestness. And I think those are um, some of the the memories that I'm like, wow, I can't believe that existed. You know, like even being an Airbnb early in the, in the days and then describing like where the, the origins of the company were like started out with them, like trying to sell cereal. Like it was just such like um, the dorky days when things were a little bit different. And I think those were the days I remember more, fondly and then and then I have like a lot of mixed feelings about how things got to be because I don't 100% remember if you were to ask me like who are your favorite founders or stories like my favorite stories were looking at tech's impact my favorite stories were like 
you read the book, a woman named Nikki, who was a victim of like non-consensual pornography at the time called like revenge porn, right? Where I was like, guys, technology is like created this whole new form of harassment and the laws haven't caught up. And like, this is insane that this is happening. And like, this woman is courageous enough to speak out. And I loved those stories. Like, I really liked the people on the other side of the algorithms. And I always felt like I had this this really cool way to like teleport from this world where the, the founders were to the real world, where people that really mattered and, and who were impacted were, and I could translate those worlds. And that felt important to me. Yeah, I do remember, I think it was around the time of Mostly Human when you were telling these stories that had deep impact. And then yeah. a little while, maybe a year or two later, CNN kind of switched and you started having to do stories that you didn't really like. The one that I remember yeah. specifically was the self-unhooking bra that you had to now <laughs> yeah. story about. So- <laughs> Was there another story that maybe you were put on that you really thought like, this is not what I want to do. This is does not coincide with my values as a journalist. Yeah. I mean, I think like there was that switch, that tension when digital, um, I always say I'd cover technology and technology disrupted my industry, you know, my industry being media. And there was a race towards like clicks and page views and the Facebook changes and algorithm and everything changes no matter like even Facebook changes its name. And I think there was that moment when a lot of firings happened, a lot of the old guard of CNN was fired. And, and I like to say like, I was, I was very lucky. I was like trained by the, like the best of the best. I was trained by like the producers who ran towards the buildings on nine 11, right? Like, who were just old school and believed in picking up the phone and believed in talking to people. And it was before digital had completely shifted the newsroom. And some of those values, I think, were really important to be trained with as a, as a young journalist. And I remember a lot of those folks had been laid off and it was a really tough time in, in the business. Not like any, it's better now. I mean, we could like look at the last week. Um, but I would just say like, they brought in these digital guys. And like, I remember we called them the Bloomberg Mafia. Like, so I'm so happy to talk about it now because I'm like so long gone, but we called them the Bloomberg Mafia and they were like, cool, they're cool guys. And they knew what was up with digital. I'm like, even though like I kind of like covered the people and like the people at the forefront who they probably couldn't even get on the phone, you know, <laughs> like, but like they had these ideas. And I remember the digital guys being like, we want Lori, who's like our tech person to talk about this and like this is the new way. Like she needs to like look into a camera and like, we'll prompt her to say interesting things. So she has personality and like, you know, and this is what we want her to talk about. And it's like this bra that unhooks with like a heart, your heartbeat. It was a biometric bra. And I just remember being like, are you kidding me? And, and it's hard because I was earlier in my career, there was this huge shift happening. And I remember trying to intellectualize it being like, this is the future of biometric and like this idea that we could have wearable. And I wish at the time I, I had been able to say like, no, but then you ran the risk of not being in the cool club of people. And this is where I think the nuance is important of like these people who are coming in, who had the ear of all the executives is saying, this is the future. They were brought in to bring us into the future. And I was the person they were putting in front to talk about a bra that unhooks for love. Even then I tried to make it feel smart, but I remember looking at it and I remember my boss, I give it to my boss, Chris Peacock at the time, who was kind of like old school CNN money. And I remember him like being like, this doesn't feel like you. And I was like, yeah, I know. Right. To my credit, even though they were pushing for some of that, I was able to push for things that did feel like me, right? Like creating 
with this new cool digital look and feel a whole series based on non-consensual pornography that helped change policies around revenge porn, right? Like, but it took me kind of understanding these new initiatives. So what would you say is probably the most important characteristic that a journalist should have? Because you became like the tech person. And even though you had to do some stories that you might have not liked, yeah. you were the first person they thought of to do these tech stories. So what characteristics do you think led to that? Well, I think in a weird way, it's like I was the first person they thought of to do tech stories because I was the first person to do tech stories before they thought of it, if that makes sense, right? Like, it wasn't like anyone was waiting to pluck me out of the newsroom and be like, wow, that girl looks like she'd be great on television. I mean, honestly, like, I, I don't even think I like washed my hair for the first, like, <laughs> I was a news assistant. And so I actually think it was I found a beat, I found a niche, I found something that I knew better than anyone. I got involved, I was well sourced, I started breaking news before I even had the specific job that I wanted, right. And so I think that was part of it. I, I really had a beat in a niche. And, and I was well sourced. And I knew these people as we all kind of grew up together. And, and I think that was important, because you can't manufacture that. And then I would just say, honestly, I was and still to this day, I'm so scrappy. You know, I think like really, this idea of like, the things we did to do the things we do, right? Like, I mean, and, and I, I say like, one of the the big love stories and the book is me and my producer, Erica, and like the things that we teamed up to do and how we would go about it and how we would be just told no a hundred times. And we would just be able to go around the system and figure out how no was just like, I don't know, like five steps away from yes. I think that was really important, like the resilience, being scrappy, and then also having a niche and having a, a specific beat that I really, I knew better than, than anybody and really kind of like being well-sourced and, and having a good understanding of that. I think that was really important uh, as a young journalist and probably as a journalist, like at any age. You brought up Erica, and I realized throughout the book, I really admired the fact that it was kind of like a no woman left behind situation with you guys. Like if you got put on a story, she was going to be right there with you. And that was non-negotiable for either of you. And that being said, you talk about a lot of personal relationships and experiences that you had. What was that like putting your your love life, your relationships, your experiences with depression into a book and writing about it? horrible I mean like not the best you know like I don't trust anyone that's like oh this I had such a great time writing my book I'm gonna be like you didn't write your book <laughs> like I'm just positive that if anyone had like had a breezy time writing their book that they didn't write it I would say it was horrible and great and wonderful and awful and like all of those things you know I think it was like I wasn't ready to write this book until I left um, and then I really wanted to write it I thought I owed myself that I, I was like, if I'm gonna like, you know, ask tech founders and, uh, you know, to, to be vulnerable, you know, you got to show up yourself and do it. And and I think like, if I could go back to your other question of like, what gave me a superpower as a journalist, or what was really important was I had a lot of empathy. And I think oftentimes, when you have a lot of empathy, like you can, you can see your own ups and downs, you know, and I think that there was a reason I've always been attracted to founders and that mentality. And I think I struggled with my own like ups and downs and, and didn't really want to 100% shy away from that. Because I think the more I could be me, the more relatable it could be just for, for other folks. And and my whole goal in journalism and in writing the book is to make people feel less alone. It's not necessarily just like a how to book and like, great entrepreneurship. I think it's really like, if my weird, it can make your weird okay, then like, I think we could do something here. And that's the same with the story of entrepreneurship. So um, it was difficult. 
I went back and looked at old journals. I went back and looked at like years and years of things I didn't want to touch, but it was pretty therapeutic in a way. Um, and then when it was coming out, that was very scary. But then you get the messages from folks that like they make it all worth it. And, and the best part is it's like not the messages from like tech bros. It's like the messages from a different type of person that that relates to the book. And that's it's a reminder why I wrote it because I wrote it during the pandemic. I remember I don't like writing alone. I like writing when I'm around people. Every coffee shop was closed in, in New York. It was 2020. And I remember sitting at Laughing Man in Tribeca, which now has like a fancy inside, whatever. And all they had was like a little stand outside. And I would just sit on the concrete on the floor and just be surrounded by journals and papers and like feelings. And I would just write. And I think that was maybe the best way for me to do it. I'm, I'm you know, it was, it was a weird time, but it was an interesting time to write a book. And you also mentioned in your book that you had opened dot, 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 and then the pandemic hit and you were really worried about that. But as I can tell it, you know, you made it past the pandemic. So what is the future yeah. dot, dot, dot? Oh, it's, I mean, it's super exciting. We've been working on media driven artificial intelligence, like for, I would say eight or nine months now, we have shows that you'll be able to see that are coming out soon. Like, I can I can maybe tease this, but not too much. Like special characters might be turned into a series. You know, there's like a lot of stuff that through dot, 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 like, you know, it's been by far the hardest endeavor, but it is by far the most, the most rewarding thing I could possibly do. We're building out technology, which is incredible. And we're also building out content devoted to artificial intelligence and humanity. So like all my weird time playing with bots and like talking to people about like the humanization of AI is like paying off, you know, and I, and I have my own team that I've gotten to build and they're all weirder for knowing me, right. And for being a part of the company, which I love, you know, some of them were like technophobic when they first came in and now they're all playing with chat GPT and like, you know, and getting weirder by the day, which makes me so happy. Um, and so to build out a company where our values are nuanced, because I really believe in nuanced storytelling and, and not just the black and white, which I think we've really kind of entered that era where black and white is so easy and cheap and um, where our values are making the world feel less lonely or like humanizing technology. I mean, all of these things that I cared so deeply for um, when I was at CNN, I get to actually institute and I don't have someone telling me you can't do that. You can't do that. The only person telling me I can't do that is myself. And that's my own work, you know? So I guess to end this, I wanted to originally ask about, because in your book, you ask a bunch of people, is the future of tech optimistic? You ask, is it polarizing or is it just mirroring the polarization? But after the past few days where I've been watching the news and I've seen um, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon being forced out of their jobs, I guess it's not just a tech thing. So I guess I want to ask, is media and tech together is that an optimistic future for us? Is it mirroring a polarization that is happening in America or did it help to polarize the country? I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I think media is evolving and changing and like what was before will not be again. And I, I strongly believe that tech companies became media companies and media companies must become technology companies. That's like the whole premise of my company now. I, I believe artificial intelligence will change media and for for the in great ways and in horrible ways it'll bring up all of these interesting questions about ip uh, about identity um if we can easily mimic our favorite characters and i think also i think people want niche media 
like so many thoughts of the media. I think people want niche media. I think people don't just look towards the CNNs anymore or like ABCs or like the, you know, CBS because like we live in a world where like we've all gone into our own bubbles and our own version of truth. And I'm not saying that's good and I'm not saying that's bad because I think in some cases it's horrible and in some cases it's awesome, right? Depending. But I think the the meaning of media will evolve and has to evolve and is evolving. And it's been a big week in media because like, I mean, I think you see with Tucker Carlson, like I do think it's interesting that there are consequences for misinformation and that's important, you know, financial consequences. And that is for me, heartwarming when I look at the future of media. And then I think about artificial intelligence and the fact that I believe that we're all going to, there's going to be like AI driven cults that are going to create like the new QAnon and we're not building the correct guardrails and why aren't we talking about it? And I'm like, well, we're screwed. So like, you know, it's like all of these things that I, I guess I think about. And I guess I feel a little bit better that I get to kind of try out my hand and trying to fix some of these issues in, in my own in my own way. But I think media is going through a, a crazy moment, but it, it's not going to be how it looked before. Traditional media feels so old to me to some degree. I left I left in 2019 um, and it feels like people are fighting for a smaller piece of the pie while you have you have like the creator economy and some of these creators who have more and more responsibility and more influence and reach as creators than some of these big media companies. And that's astounding. And so there will be a balancing to some degree, but I don't think anything will look the same over the next couple of years. And I think artificial intelligence will shift quite a bit. So what's the best advice you could give journalists who are now emerging into the media industry? I guess my best advice would be like, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, like this is what I did. But like, I totally geeked out on what was coming next, right? I would get to know, this is maybe more specific, I would get to know what's coming around artificial intelligence and how it's going to impact our business, because I think it's going to be really fascinating. There'll be a lot of ethical questions. And I think it's, I think that it, it will shift uh, a lot of the meaning of truth and truth is important in our business. And I think really having a good understanding of the touch points of what we, you know, and just being fluent in that language of like playing with chat GPT and all this kind of stuff is going to be important. And then my advice, I guess, would just be like, it's a weird time and the media industry is chaotic, but in chaos, there's opportunity. Every time there's chaos, there's a lot of opportunity. The most important thing that I did when I was young and trying to get into the industry is I was just so scrappy. I found people, I asked for advice. I didn't try to do it all alone. I built out my my board of glory to some degree. Um, and, and I think that was really uh, instrumental in my success. I would say the one other thing is just like, don't be afraid of failure. Like go get rejected a hundred times. Like I'm like technically on paper, pretty successful and get rejected all the time. So like, I would just say like, wake up, brush your teeth and go get rejected and just keep going. That's just like the, that's the only thing. And by the way, that's the same thing with entrepreneurs. Like you don't get to be an entrepreneur without understanding and being able to deal with a ton of rejection. And I think that's the same for young journalists, like getting into the industry, right? Like just be, be willing to just like deal with a lot of rejection and get over it because it's like rejection is just a pathway to success if you if you frame it correctly. So anyway, that would be my other one. <laughs> I have had to learn that, but it has been a, a good experience for me to say the least. Yeah, I mean, God, like let someone say no and then just stalk them on another way or find another way in or like be, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm like impossible to get to until I'm like the easiest person ever to get to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I'm, uh, I am I feel pretty strongly on that. Like I, I got rejected all the time until I didn't. 
you know, and then I still get rejected. So yeah, yeah just keep going. Well, thank you so much for everything. No problem. Good luck with everything. Tune in next week to continue our conversation about sexism within the media industry. We'll be talking to Margaret Sullivan about her book, Newsroom Confidential. Special thanks to today's guest, Lori Siegel, to Fordham University, and to the Sperber Prize Committee for making this show possible. For more information about the Sperber Prize, you can visit our website at sperberprize.com. I'm your host, Rena Lokai, and thanks for listening.